0: Hello, funky listeners. Welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Shaolin Kyle-tastic.
1: And this is Peter. Welcome to Funk Radio. This is a podcast where we talk about music, mostly funk music. And guess what? Netflix just released a series called The Get Down, which is basically completely in our wheelhouse, more or less.
0: Yeah, yeah. For those of you that haven't, I don't know. I have been too busy binge watching Stranger Things. There's another uh, show on Netflix that got released at the same time called The Get Down. Let's take a trip back, back in the time, 1977. It was maximum crime. You're a natural word, Smith, man.
1: we are working for drug dealers. You ever thought of quitting?
0: This ain't Disneyland, this is the
1: Bronx. Don't push me to be who you want me to be. Nobody's asking what I want to be.
0: Show me what you got. <laughs> I just want to sing, I want to get out of the bros. I can't let anybody distract me from that. No daughter of mine is going to sing disco! I will sing, Bobby, and you cannot stop me! You're killing my lean soul. The way I see it, all of us here on this planet, and we're on a journey, and it is a mystery. It's about music, man.
1: It'll move you forward and open up doors that everyone says are shut. It'll give you the whole world for free if you just hold back nothing. Oh, you hear that? That is life and destiny. That is the get down. Before we go any further, we should probably also say, if you have not watched the show,
0: Spoilers about There's
1: probably going to be, it's going to be hard for us to talk about the show without spoiling stuff. So, if you don't care about so, spoilers, then welcome. If you do, then leave. And then come back and listen to us later.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. I guess a spoiler-free synopsis of the show that I could probably give is... Uh, it's about a young kid, Ezekiel, who is kind of thrust into this world, like burgeoning world of hip-hop, through this guy he meets, Sheldon Fantastic... And Shaolin kind of shows some of the ropes of um, the underground rap scene, while at the same time, this girl, Malin Cruz, I believe, who's the daughter of a priest, is kind of struggling with the duality of her wanting to become a disco singer with the rigid spirituality of her father being a priest and her being part of the church. Mm -hmm. And Ezekiel and Malina kind of like each other, but... I guess you'll have to watch the show to find out what happens. <laughs> but yeah, I liked, I liked that because Mylene and uh, Ezekiel kind of got equal screen time. It showed, like, mm. the two sides of the music world in the 70s, the disco side and the uh, rap side. Now, in the late 70s, disco was kind of dying or winding down, I guess. So it, it showed how rap, this new burgeoning music adopted the dance beats of disco into their sets. So it kind of shows how the two were almost symbiotic in a way, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was kind of cool.
1: Yeah. And you know, this is something we've talked about in the past on this show, um, somewhat in depth about you know, the, the musical transition from disco music into hip hop. The show really does depict that relationship between those two genres very well. And kind of the, the Transition that was happening. It doesn't, I don't, I wouldn't say it shows the decline of disco at all because throughout the entire, I guess it's only six episodes, you know, disco is, you know, the music that everyone listens to. Um, But then hip hop is this thing that most people have never even heard of. I don't think they even give it a name really in the show. But, you know, anyone who hears it who has never heard it before is like, what the heck is this? They're, They're messing up the songs that I like, Um, which is interesting because, I mean, like that's kind of the really the first instances of sampling, Mm -hmm. you know, and for people who had never experienced hearing that before, I think it was very kind of um, confusing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I liked the scene where they got um, uh, Mylene's, pressing of her song with her little group that she made and they wanted to use it as the breakbeat and she's like, no, you're ruining the record.
1: I know, and yeah. She was like
0: freaking out. That's funny. But yeah, it's funny. It shows how despite the two genres kind of like disco, I don't know, because rap was this new thing, disco aficionados and owners or whatever were like, well, this music is shit. It's just noise. Yeah. But rappers appreciated disco Uh, music for their beats so it's kind of like one was appreciative of the other but the other kind of had didn't have any want the disco didn't have any respect for rap at the time right but yeah no there's there's a lot of interesting characters in the show um outside of just ezekiel ezekiel and Mylene, there's and uh, sorry
1: okay interrupt for a second i just want to say so listeners while the show does follow like like the general brushstrokes, you could say, of the show are based on actual historical events and people. Um, the actual characters in the show and the things that happen, and even some of the songs that are created from the show, are fictional. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we should discuss in itself. But if you want to discuss some of the characters first, that's completely fine. I just want listeners to know that in some cases, there are actual historical figures, and in other cases, most of the cases are actually not real. Which yeah, is something that um, kind of threw me off for a little. Yeah, know,
0: me too. No, that's that's a good that's a good lead into talking about some of the characters because they some of them are loosely based off real people, even though they're not. And that I know, watching the entire show, I kept trying to figure out like, is this guy a real guy? Is this based off a real guy? Because it never straight up says like, oh, these are based on real events. Right. It it just it plays it all
1: out. Um, well, well, I so for me going into it, I assumed that it was. Like all, real? like, all real. I I assumed that it wasn't... I mean, like, obviously any depiction of something historical could be somewhat fictionalized, mm-hmm. you know, and the characters and everything, but I I went into it assuming that all these people were real and that most, if not, not all the events, but most of the events happening were actual things that happened. And as the show went on, I kind of realized, okay, they're kind of... They seem to be taking some liberties, even though... I wasn't completely sure what stuff was real, what wasn't. I could tell that some stuff probably was elaboration at, at the very least, but then at the end, I was you know doing a little bit of research and realized that yeah, pretty much everything in this is not completely um, you know real. Most of it's fictional, I, but I think they did a really good job of weaving in the real historical events and stuff, and a few scattered key characters like Grandmaster Flash, with these these fictional people and characters and things that are going on I think they wove those together really strongly in a way that feels very real I guess in a, in a TV sort of way without yeah, without yeah. necessarily being like straight from the history books
0: so yeah one of the one of the pervasive themes in the show aside from music is kind of the political corruption that went on mm-hmm. inside and outside the Bronx um, in different ways either through drugs or through politics or through you know government contracting mm-hmm. but um a couple of characters that i found interesting that are loosely based off i guess real people were uh francisco Papaforte cruz who is kind of a puerto rican godfather type figure um within the bronx you know he's Influential, and he makes things happen. You know, sometimes not always through the most legal of means. But he is—he
1: is somewhat. He, I wouldn't. I, he's I wouldn't say. He's, I wouldn't say. Well, that too. I wouldn't say he's necessarily a political figure. But isn't he on some kind of board of something? Like he does have some. Influen- you know, I think he's on like influence. A- but I don't remember what it is exactly.
0: I, I thought he was on some sort of like Puerto Rican community board or something. Maybe. A lot of politicians go to him because he's kind of the spokesperson for the community. And he can get them their votes. To, to vote one certain ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in the outset of the show, he's trying to get funds from this, uh, the mayor for this sort of community development project he wants to, to build, you know, to help the horribly dilapidated, I guess, Bronx area. Uh, it's like a housing project, but he doesn't want to build, like, you know, shitty government apartment buildings. He wants to build, like, actual, like, kind of suburb-style houses, mm-hmm. which is kind of kind of cool. But what's funny is his character is based off a real guy named Ramon Velez, um, who, similar to in the show, was actually called a poverty pimp by the, uh, I guess, not... Not then Mayor Koch. I get mayor, in the show. I'm totally skipping over historical shit here. In the show, uh, this guy Koch is running against Mayor Beam because no one likes Mayor Beam because you know they're in a shitty recession. Yeah. Uh, and this Koch guy is running against him in this in the late '70s. He wins, becomes mayor for a while, but in the show, he's still. You know, in the process, uh, it's, an, it's an election year for Beam and Koch's running against him. Mm-hmm. And Koch calls uh, Papa Fuerte a poverty pimp, which is funny because that event did happen where pa- Koch actually called out vallez and said he's a poverty pimp. That's funny. Um, but because of vallez and I guess similarly Papa Fuerte's sort of uh, nefarious connections, they were never able to really connect any... Criminal activity with him because he he kind of was above all of that. Hmm. So, Koch ended up rescinding his, I guess, insult later on because they never really got anything on him.
1: That's funny, kind of funny, and that does speak, uh, I think, to what you were saying. He's not really fully a good guy or a fully a bad guy. Um, Mm. I think when they first introduce him, he feels like a bad guy, but then as you get to know him more, he's actually like, like I think at his core, he's a good person. Mm-hmm. and he wants to do good things especially for his family and for Mylene who is his niece. So it is interesting to see I, I would I would cast him as as somewhat of a protagonist. He's
0: kind of a anti-hero like he's a hero and he wants to help his community yeah. but he doesn't care what means he does that he does to, he uses to do it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that makes him a really like three-dimensional character and it's pretty interesting.
0: Mhm. Another character that I thought was really weird and really isn't based off anyone, it was uh, Fat Annie. She's supposed to be like this sort of drug <laughs> drug kingpin in the show, who's pushing heroin and cocaine in the Bronx. Yeah. Um, what's funny is just, even though, yeah, she's like a totally made-up character, I don't know why she makes me think of uh, Auntie Annie's, uh, what is it, pretzels or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Like that—that that was her like legitimate business front or something. I don't know. But um, I remember in the show they kept talking about her. Her wanting to move on, move in on this guy, Nikki Barnes and his territory. Well, the funny thing is, Nikki Barnes was a real like drug kingpin in the seventies, uh, and his territory was so large that he actually expanded his operations into Pennsylvania and Canada. Jeez. And in seventy-seven, actually, was on the New York. Times Magazine cover with the headline "Mr. Untouchable," because I think they refer to him as
1: that in the show too.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that that was a real event that they were, I guess, roofing off of.
1: So Fat Annie was kind of representing more, pro, not not as necessarily like prominent figures in history, but like, like a, 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 a type of person drug. who probably yeah. did exist in that area at that time.
0: Yeah, like a lower-level drug pusher. who, yeah. you know isn't isn't you know the king of the, of the city or whatever but yeah how about some of the main characters like Mylene and ezekiel
1: yeah i mean we, we talked about them briefly
0: um i still have not figured out if it, who ezekiel is supposed to be based off of
1: well maybe we'll maybe we'll tie this back into what we were saying a few minutes ago about how you know some stuff we thought that certain things were real and some ended up not being um so a lot of my knowledge before watching this show of this whole sort of thing, what came from something else I've mentioned before in the show, the comic series, uh, hip hop family tree. Oh yeah. I would say that's probably like 95% historically accurate and about 5% elaboration. So by comparison, it's a lot closer to what actually happened. Um, but it has been probably a year and a half ish since I read it or about a year maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have to read it again, because obviously some of that information kind of gets blurred after a while. But I think the reason that I thought some of this stuff was real was because, first of all, you know, they do throw in the, the more prominent names, I think, are, are all, all actual people like Grandmaster Flash, obviously, who is the the mentor, I guess, to, to Shaolin. Fantastic. But they also mention Cool uh, Herc, I believe. He was in yep. episode five or six.
0: Yeah, the Jamaican guy.
1: Yeah, he he was definitely one of like those top three or so or,
0: people. Top original guys. Yeah,
1: but the, the group name that the main characters come up with um, what was it Fantastic Four Plus One. Yeah, I assumed that was real because there was another group. I'm paging through the. I'm really glad they have an index at the. They call it the Funky Index. <laughs> at the back of this, um, there there was a group called Funky Four Plus One which did exist, but that wasn't the same. Like they didn't have the same relationship with Grandmaster Flash and they weren't the Mm -hmm. same people, obviously. So I think I got that mixed up. So obviously you can see that there's a very direct influence on real groups and people, but they're not the exact same correlation. Yeah,
0: they're almost like, I wouldn't say parodies, but like allegories for them.
1: Yeah. And there were a couple other instances where like uh, like the notorious three who kind of become like their rivals near the yeah. end. They, I don't think that was a real group either. But um, some, something that they kind of got at I think might have been about halfway through um, the episodes was you know once that blackout happens in New York City that lasted for like a day or so and everybody uh-huh. was looting all the stores. All of a sudden, a lot more people ended up with turntables and DJing equipment. There was this explosion of like amateur groups coming out with all these names Mm -hmm. like the Funky Three and all this other, you know, hip hop five and whatever the hell. I'm just making up shit. But that explosion of all these crazy names of amateur groups, I think that was based on, you know, historically, like I said, there was an actual group called Funky Four Plus One. But then if you look at all the other groups that were named around that area around that time, they all have these like very similar names to what they kind of make fun Mm -hmm. of in the show.
0: Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that blackout did actually kind of lead to more of an explosion of um, that hip-hop genre because so few people had access to, you know, dual turntables and stuff. Yeah. They're like, oh, wait, they're free now.
1: Vulture.com has two really good articles that we kind of pulled from a little bit in terms of background after watching this show. Um, one of them is, what is it called? Separating Fact and Fiction. And Netflix is the get down. This explains a lot of the things. Like, here's this thing in the show. Here's like what it might be based on. And they do talk about the the blackout being a thing, but I don't think they. I, I don't. I didn't see any. At least in this article, I didn't see any connection with a lot of people ended up with equipment after this. Um, I think it was a really convenient storytelling thing in the show for that to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I don't know if that's actually what happened. But the blackout itself was real.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember because they showed actual news footage. Yeah, that was a that's another thing in the show that did I don't know if it helped or made me more confused with the fact and fiction is they would uh, occasionally splice scenes in the show with actual footage from the 70s of these related events like the blackout, you know the the. Uh, I guess destruction of the Bronx in general and the heat uh, of the summer graf- and stuff yeah the heat wave of the summer the, all the graffiti taggers yeah. the the gang warfare
1: yeah they uh, they mixed a lot of like real b-roll footage from the 70s with like stuff some some pieces that were recreated um, for the show and then kind of mixed them all together and it feels really um, authentic mm-hmm. when they do it that way mm-hmm and that kinda of makes me think too of I guess a big visual I don't even know what to, what to call it, like a like an ongoing theme, I guess, in the show is the the whole graffiti thing. Mm-hmm. Uh you were saying graffiti artists. I think that there's definitely a uh, like a cultural connection between the graffiti and the music. Um oh, yeah, for sure. And that was a real thing, and I think they do really strongly, you know, keep pounding in that connection in the show.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, to the point that like at the beginning of every episode, it shows the episode's title in graffiti. I thought that was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, that that was kind of an interesting way to go
0: about it. Speaking of, I guess, stuff based on real events, um, the gang that it always mentions in the show is the gang called the Savage Warlords. And although they're not real, uh, they are based off uh, the, that sort of gang name thing in the 70s. With, there was tons of different rival gangs. There was like the Savage Skulls, the black assassins, the Grim Reapers, the world javelins. Sure. Um, and In fact, I watched a really good documentary on the sort of uh, New York borough gangs in the seventies called Robo Kings, mm. which I recommend you watch. It's actually probably a good kind of historical pairing with this show because it, it shows how even the gang lifestyle is connected with uh, hip hop music very early on. Well, um, something that,
1: that, article I was mentioning a few minutes ago they actually do mention the gangs and they say rubble kings that documentary does recount some of this stuff Um, Mm -hmm. so you're very on point there Um, it does say that those kind of groups kind of fizzled out earlier in the 70s so by the time this show takes place groups like the savage warlords would actually probably not even be around would probably be kind of faded out
0: yeah but plot devices
1: yeah, exactly. Right. You. <laughs> Did you want to talk about the the Kung Fu stuff at all?
0: Yeah, the, 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 I think I would have to arguably say probably the most interesting character in the show is this guy, Shaolin Fantastic. I don't think we even mentioned him yet. I don't know why. Well, we, we <laughs> um,
1: mentioned him a couple of times, but we haven't gone in depth about who he is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Basically, he's sort of... Um, he's the apprentice Ze- Sir Ezekiel's spiritual guide and also yeah as you were saying the apprentice of um, uh, grandmaster God, flash wow. thank you yeah his role in the show it's very interesting he he himself is an apprentice to Grandmaster flash who because he wants to become uh, a great DJ but then he also brings Ezekiel in with him into this world of uh hip-hop because yeah, he wants to be a DJ, but he needs to find what Grandmaster of Flash refers to as a wordsmith mm-hmm. to actually, like, write the raps, I guess. Uh, yeah. Because the DJ himself doesn't do both, necessarily. And his, his character's really, he, I wouldn't say eccentric, but he's influenced very heavily by, um, like, 70s martial arts movies, mm-hmm. like... Uh, Enter the Dragon and Bruce Lee and all that stuff, and I thought I'm like, well, that's weird. Why is this black kid like into, you know, kung fu martial arts? Uh, but I guess in doing research and by research I mean Googling for five seconds, uh, we there there actually was a deep connection between kung fu and sort of urban culture in the 70s because of how popular. Bruce Lee's sort of Kung Fu movies were at the time. So
1: Yeah, um, and again, this is another Vulture article that we found. Uh, mm-hmm. The story behind the Get Downs Kung Fu Connection. It's a good one. Um, I I didn't really... I wasn't really aware that there was this much Kung Fu in- influence culturally at that time, but reading through like the reasoning behind it, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the choreographers uh, for this show, Rich... I'm probably butchering that name. He told, um, in this article, he, they did like a phone interview with him. Um, and he says, quote, what's funny is he slapped Hollywood upside the face because he made Hollywood come to him, man, us Brown people, us black people, we found a hero that superseded the pale faced Hollywood media. Bruce Lee was like, you know what? I'm chi- Chinese. I'm Brown and I can whip your ass. So I, it's a lot of, and we've talked extensively in the show about, um, blaxploitation Um, around a similar time frame maybe not even five years prior to when the show takes place Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I think there's a similar thing going on here of like the empowerment of a non-white more or less superhero type character um, in film and I think audiences like the characters in this show like Shaolin Fantastic I think they really grabbed hold of that and really embraced it and it's very clear through his character that he takes a lot of influence from those sorts of movies
0: yeah there's a there's another corner there that i find interesting that's actually a rap line by dead prez where this where he said quote they say karate means empty hands so then it's perfect for the poor man and <laughs> i think that shows how karate and these kung fu movies resonated with uh black youth because these movies were uh and Lee in general were, were about like you know, self-reliance and discipline, which echoed the same sort of uh, mantras that were preached by the uh, Black Power movement in the late '60s and early '70s mm-hmm. about you know being proud of your heritage, but at the same time being disciplined in your actions and not not doing bad things because it reflects reflect poorly not just on you but on your you know ethnicity your your racial group your community whatever
1: a, co- a code of ethics basically exactly
0: and i think that sort of code of ethics translated to these kung fu movies mm. and taught a lot of young black kids about you know self-discipline and self-worth and stuff mm-hmm. so yay yay for bruce lee
1: yay should we discuss um the song that my Mylene- well okay so my Mylene- Papa Fuerte's niece and Zeke's girlfriend. She's the daughter of a priest. He's very much against disco music. She wants to become a disco singer. So obviously that's going to create some friction. Mm-hmm. You said earlier that they focused almost equal time on her and Zeke throughout the series. I would say he probably gets more because it's more about that. But that she she definitely gets a lot of screen time as well. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to find, you know, a producer, find a record label, you know, to get her voice out there, be his disco singer I think the very slow build up to that song throughout the series, I think, is kind of interesting as well. And the song itself, you know, they, I think the compromise that they end up making is that well, Mylene's family doesn't necessarily want her to go away to stray away from her her roots in the church. But then they say, "Well, okay, so we make it a gospel disco song," which they do, and I think they did a great job with it.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because that actually kind of... There was actually a handful of singer of disco singers that did kind of bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Lola the Holloway and Alberta Walker. They actually had successful careers singing in both genres.
1: There you go. Yay. I will also point out that I found it interesting that it was in one of like, maybe episode one or two. It must have been episode two, maybe. When she first sings... In the church, and gets Jackie Moreno's attention. Mm-hmm. That they sing "For the Grace of God, go
0: I," I think it is. Yeah, before the grace of God, there go I, or something.
1: Yeah the 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 song by machine that's like a disco song yes. by Machine that we have mentioned before in the show. Huh. Um, the it's funny because the I I think it's very it's extremely intentional that she sang that song from the show's perspective because the lyrics of that song basically describe. A very similar character who to who who she is. Mm. So okay, it's, um, I don't know if you remember this song, Kyle, but vaguely. And um, which one did we talk about it in? It, it's it's the song that's about the overprotective parents in the Bronx who are raising their daughter, and by being oh, overprotective, then she yeah, like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. whatever um, leaves, and
0: I don't remember if she becomes a prostitute or whatever. But oh my gosh, I'd, I totally don't remember what episode it was. An episode about I thought it was an episode about like singers in the genre that weren't uh, necessarily black.
1: Is that what it was about? I don't know. No, it was, it was something completely different. It was songs that... No, it wasn't songs that were banned, but it was something about controversy, because I know that song has a couple of controversial lyrics. Anyway, so the the entire story that's told in that song is like very Pretty similar much to my Um And so it does make a lot of sense for her to be singing that. So, and, and then at the time, when I was watching that episode of the show, and she starts singing this song, I at the time, I was still thinking that most of this was historically accurate. So I was thinking, oh, maybe that's where this song came from. She's that singer. It's because of that. But then, you know, obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they do that a lot in like musicals and stuff where they'll have a song where lyrically, it, you know, there's a lot of correlation with what the characters are experiencing and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I just felt, I don't know. That was just a connection. I found interesting. Good. That good is choice. cool.
0: Yeah. This show, I swear all the way up to the end, it was confusing me. It did such a good job of like mirroring real people and real events that I was just like, is this, is this based on real people? Is this, are these people non-existent? Yeah. I honestly thought like, wow, I must not know shit. Cause like, obviously these people must be real yeah. and I don't know who they are
1: yeah that's how i felt for most of the most of the shows like well there's a lot of stuff i don't know but i realized oh well it's because it's not real
0: yeah like i remember even in the, i think it was even in the first episode they they mentioned uh mylene has like a musical idol called misty holloway who's like a disco singer and yeah in the episode uh zeke is trying to find like a, a rare record of hers a rare remix of her record but shoutlin is also trying to grab that same record at the behest of. uh uh holy shit, I keep getting his name wrong. Uh Grandmaster Flash. Don, Donny Donnie Hathaway's. Yeah. Grandmaster Flash. Uh who I think stole Donnie Hathaway's hat. That um, might be true. Yeah. I just had the worst thought in the world. Like when Donnie Hathaway jumped out the window, like his hat came off and like fell on the ground, and then uh Grandmaster Flash just comes along and is like, hmm, that's a nice hat. God damn it. <laughs> It's like the worst, of, it's like the worst thing ever.
1: Funk radio. Uh,
0: we joke about suicide. <laughs> Funk radio. We make up, we make up horrible facts about people. So,
1: but Donny Hathaway, he died in 1979, which I think was, I, I want to say this, show, this, at least the episodes and so far have taken place in like 77 or 78. So Donny Hathaway still would have been alive at this time. Uh, See, well, we tie cool. it back into facts. <laughs> yeah. So you were talking about Misty Holloway or Yeah, something? yeah, yeah.
0: So she has this idol, Misty Holloway, and she has a song that she likes called Far, Far Away. Um, and I just keep thinking, I'm like, well, how the hell do I not know about this artist? It was driving me crazy. And then come to find out, she's not a real artist. <laughs> she's just based on, she's just a fictional artist in the show. Yeah. But... I guess she's kind of supposed to be based off of Donna Summer.
1: Which is funny, because I think they talk about Donna Summer as well in the show.
0: I thought they did too, so, yeah.
1: I guess it's, it's supposed to just be another popular disco singer at that time. True.
0: Here's an interesting, interesting spoiler. Apparently, in the next... I don't know if these episodes are considered like one season, or if it's like the first half of a season. But they're saying in the next... Uh, release of episodes will say uh, the character of Misty Holloway is actually going to show up in the show oh. and she's going to be played by uh, Hamilton star Renee Elise Goldsberry you know Hamilton that big play that's really popular right now Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting news
1: for, I don't know why but for some reason I assumed when this came out that this was just like a mini series like that was only encapsulating six episodes and that would be it I don't know really know why. Maybe because they just didn't. It it doesn't say like season one, so I just assumed okay, this is just like a one-off thing. But Netflix does show that there is more coming at some point. I think maybe next Mm year. I don't remember when it said. Hopefully sooner, but yeah. So there are more episodes coming, which is awesome because this is a really great show. Yeah, Wikipedia does say the first part of its first season consists of six episodes, so it very well could be like a season one. Part one or something. Well that's
0: yeah, that's my guess is uh they're just waiting and releasing the second <laughs> half later on or something. I know they've done that for a couple other shows, like um uh, trying to remember what else. There was a show that they just released where it was like only twelve episodes, but they're releasing like another twelve soon. It's still the same on part Netflix? Of the season. Yeah. Oh. I forget. Hmm trying to think of what other people we haven't covered that were interesting I know we didn't really mention them but there are also a couple of minor characters in the show there's I, I guess the other members of the Fantastic 4 plus one that we have not mentioned at all um, well, they're secondary characters they I mean, don't... they're yeah they're cute they're cute minor characters they're, they're like all Zeke's age so they're all I don't know I never really got a good hundred percent sense of how old they were supposed to be I assume like 15. I, I think
1: Zeke is, Zeke is probably like 17 or maybe maybe 16. I wouldn't really say he's much younger than that. He seems young, but they're also talking about like internships and thinking ahead to college. True. So okay. I would say he's probably 16 or 17. The others seem like they're a few years younger than him.
0: Yeah. There's that one kid that sounds like Michael Jackson. I was like, damn, he's like 10. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of, I guess, internships, I, that was a really interesting part of the show. Uh, Zeke ends up getting an internship with this guy who's like, a, I don't know, I don't really know what he was supposed to be. He's like a advisor to uh, Congressman Koch, who was running for mayor. And he's played
1: by the guy. He
0: in, he's played by the guy who plays the president in uh, House of Cards. Yeah, I can't, I, I, couldn't like disconnect that in my brain. I know. I just saw him as the same guy exactly, um, <laughs> but he he plays this guy who's like a huge asshole. But he, long story short, Zeke is like late for his first day on the internship. He gets the guys like "fuck you." Then Zeke's like, "No, fuck you. Uh, I'm gonna get this internship." And he's the guys like, "Okay, you got balls. Come to dinner. <laughs> we'll talk about shit." I do the best synopses, uh, and then he ends up giving Zeke this horribly, horrible, like uh, morally corrupt speech about how oh if you if you really want to make it you basically have to disconnect your emotions and dump your friends and family because that's the only way to be successful. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was a really fucked up speech, and then Zeke's like, "Oh, okay, I get it." I'm just like, really. <laughs> I mean, maybe he kind of, you know, interpreted it his own way. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that part of his character arc, I was like, why is he agreeing with this guy? This guy's an asshole. Well,
1: I think he does see that he has potential, because that's kind of what all the adults are saying to him through the entire show. And, you know, that is one of his biggest struggles in the show is, do I go to college and be academically successful and get a good job and stuff and get out of the Bronx? Or do I embrace my roots? Do I embrace the Bronx basically and, you know, become, you know, a popular music artist in a genre that people don't even understand yet. And so there's that big conflict that he has throughout. I, I think toward the end, he does start to embrace like the internship thing and like, okay, uh, he does have to start growing up and thinking about being responsible career wise. They, they kind of end the end the show on, The note of, well, we can do both. Yeah, like he's kind of playing both fields. But in the end, I don't know if that's really possible.
0: Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a, I I don't know how much more there is to recap, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's a really good show. We recommend you guys watch it if you guys have Netflix. Um, A lot of good young actors in it.
1: If you're still listening to this episode and didn't click out of it, tell us that you made it all the way through on Facebook at com slash getyourfunk or if you're listening to this on another platform such as Mixcloud or Soundcloud uh, if you can give us a comment there and tell us something that you liked about this show either the Get Down or Funk Radio just something that you like Mm. even a fucking
0: snack that you like just tell us tell us something we're desperate (laughs) every episode we end with the we're so lonely please talk to us
1: Jeez. all right We've talked long enough, and you've listened long enough. Yep. Bye.
0: (laughs) This has been your host, Kyle. Bye. This is Peter. Bye. Bye.